The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn News. What choices are you making about your relationship with gravity today? Hey everyone, from LinkedIn News, this is In the Arena, a podcast exploring human potential. I'm Leah Smart, and every week you'll find me right here in conversation with bright minds and brave hearts, learning how we can improve our lives and our world by transforming ourselves. You just heard Ariel Carson. She's a somatic experience practitioner and Alexander Technique teacher. Now, if you don't know what that means, you're not alone, and I promise we will get there. This is a bit of an unusual episode for us, but I wanted to talk to her because she's helping people understand their relationship to their bodies. And I don't know about you, but I'm one of those people who used to find it hard to feel fully in my body. I didn't even know what that meant. But if you ask me to get in my head, I can totally get there. It wasn't until I started coaching that I realized how important that somatic connection really was. Ariel's question really gets at a new way of considering our relationships to our bodies. And it left me with a lot of question marks myself. So I asked what she meant. We're in these human bodies. We're living in a gravitational field. We can interact with that gravitational field, unconsciously get pulled down, get braced, get tight, get small, get collapsed, or we can come back to that support. We can check in with our breath. We can check in with what's happening in ourselves and we can use gravity and use our sensing bodies to grow up, to move forward, to be, to be freer, right? It doesn't have to weigh us down. Okay. So you're probably wondering what we're about to get into in this conversation. Well, instead of talking about the theory, Ariel and I actually walked the walk. So in this episode, you're going to get two opportunities to try out what she's teaching along with me. Both of these things you can do by yourself. You can do them for free, and they have a pretty noticeable impact. First, though, Ariel explained what the Alexander Technique actually is. Honestly, when I describe the Alexander Technique, I define it in different ways in every moment that I'm talking about it, because it's such an alive practice for me that I can't just nail down a definition. But I'll offer you something right now. And then if you ask me again in five minutes, I'll say something else. Can't wait. (laughs) The Alexander Technique is a somatic discovery process that helps people become aware of and change habits of posture, movement, breath, reaction that are no longer serving them. It changed my life because I felt super awkward in my body as a kid for a lot of reasons, but was just like really, really uncomfortable in my skin. And when I encountered Alexander Technique, it was the first time that I had an experience of feeling like there was choice in how I held myself, coordinated myself, moved, 
myself. And it just opened up an entire world for me of like, oh, I'm not, I'm not stuck in these habitual ways that I learned to move through the world. Like I can change that. And that's super powerful to, to feel that kind of agency in myself. Yeah. I've had this experience. I remember when I first started coaching, people are like, where do you feel that in your body? And I was just like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I don't know where I feel it. Like, I'm thinking how I'm feeling. I don't know what you're saying. And it took a long time for me to get to a point of like, okay, I feel something in my stomach. I feel something in my head. You know, and I I would say I've actually gone from having very little introception to like pretty high levels of introception, which is the feeling that's happening in your body to a point where I'm like, wait, am I okay? And it's yeah. just like generally getting comfortable <laughs> with body discomfort. But like, can you talk about that more? Because it's such an odd thing to imagine that like we live in our bodies, but don't feel comfortable in them. The idea of a mind-body split is that sort of Descartes, like old school separation. But I think a lot of people, like you're saying, kind of live from their shoulders up. But we have we have a lot of different ways of sensing. That's that's one of them. I think, you know, we tend to think of mm. our vision and scientists say for sighted people, we take in an inordinate amount of information through our eyes, like 75 or 80% of sensory input comes through our eyes. But we also have our ears, we have our taste buds, we have our sense of smell, we have our sense of touch, and we have our interoception, what's happening internally in our organs. So we're receiving information through our sensing selves at all times and kind of processing that information at mostly subconscious levels. From an autonomic nervous system perspective, the, the question or a question that's operating at all times is like, am I relatively safe right now? How relatively safe am I? Hmm. And if there is something in my environment that I'm threatened by, like how much of a threat is it? What kind of a response do I need to have towards it? Right. So there's a lot of reasons why it might feel in some ways safer uh, at a subconscious level, not to sense what's happening below our heads. It does, as you're saying, when we start sensing into our bodies, it does open us up uh, to feeling discomfort, feeling pain, feeling hard stuff, right? And like, it also opens up a whole world of feeling joy, feeling pleasure, feeling freer, you know? So it's like those, those two things I have found in my journey kind of go hand in hand. Like, my ability to mm. access more pleasure, joy, freedom um, in my body has meant that I have had to process the feelings of grief, discomfort, you know, all that, all that hard stuff, too. Well, it's a uh, you can't have the good without the bad. Right. Or you can't have it fully. So it's like you might want to stop the bad flow, but you're also stopping the good flow. I always think of like, how do you get stronger at holding the hard things so that you can kind of live with the the good? Yes. Um, so, okay. So it's been more than five minutes. What is the Alexander technique? <laughs> the Alexander technique <laughs> after five minutes is a way of becoming conscious of noticing things that are happening in your body, mind, self 
um, ways of moving, ways of breathing, ways of supporting yourself and having more agency in being able to retain what is serving you or navigate into a different way of being that uh, releases the unhelpful old patterns. And so how how can we try it? Like, is there a way that you and I can do it? Yeah. Oh, we can do it now? Yeah, you can do Alexander Technique anywhere at any time. That it's it's mm. totally applicable to any activity you you want it to be applicable to. And okay, and there's no like this is not like a, a step-by-step protocol, by the way. I'll throw out some ideas here. You can like let me know how it feels to you, let me know what you notice. Okay. And like there's no right answer, there's no wrong answer. It's really just like a discovery process. Okay, can you check in with your feet on the ground and just notice? the contact that they're making. Yeah. And we'll give it just a little bit of time, right? Because the timing within the somatic realm, I have one teacher who says it's like looking at grass grow. Like we're so used to going, (laughs) we're so used to going like quick, quick, quick. Right. And so this is like, oh, there's ground. There's something underneath your feet. Yeah. My feet are on the ground. Okay. Beautiful. How is that just as a as a start? I, I'm wearing new shoes. And so I actually notice how the, it seems like it would be a weird shape, but kind of how the shoes go up a little at the top. So my feet aren't like touching the ground, but my like toes aren't touching the ground. My feet are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. So kind of having a little bit more information about the shape of your shoes and how that affects your contact with the ground. Yeah. So then maybe checking in with your seat. And I can't tell from here if you have back support, but just wherever you're making contact with your seat is kind of noticing what that contact is like, getting curious. Let me know what you notice after you've had a minute of observing that. Uh, I noticed that this chair is not super comfortable. There is back support, but actually like the scoop of the chair, like where your butt goes, it's not as comfortable as I'd like it to be. Like my body isn't fitting in this chair as well as I'd like it to. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I'll offer you this. Is there any kind of letting go just a little bit, any kind of releasing or softening that and I'm seeing a big breath just with those words. But any kind of releasing or softening that you can allow for in your muscles, in your body, in your even in your in your mind, that would allow you to access more support from that chair, imperfect as it may be. Yeah, I mean, I just let myself kind of sink into it a bit yeah. more. Yeah. Um, I tend to overanalyze. So just asking the mind to just let it go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So there you are. And you just let yourself sink in a little bit more. And I'm just going to name your breath again, because I see how much there's been an opening through your upper thorax, like your upper chest and your upper back with your breath. And to me, that is the most reliable guide that we have for how things are going. When your breath is open and free, then generally you're heading towards a more open and free 
place. As you receive that support from the chair, can you allow it to almost as if it could travel upwards through your torso and through your neck and all the way through your head so that your head at the very top of your spine is being balanced and supported from underneath. And just see how that feels for a second. My body just naturally aligned. Like it went to the right a little bit. I realized my body just realized it was leaning and then back a little bit. Wow. A whole shift in coordination happened when you tapped into that support coming through. Is that fair to say? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so now, if it's okay with you to let a little bit of light come in through your eyes, see how that feels. And you don't have to come right back to the screen. Screens are pretty strong stimuli. But just to start to take in the environment a little bit through your eyes while you continue accessing that support from underneath moving right on through you. I'll offer you this question too. How little effort do you need to re-engage in the environment with your eyes? When you started asking the question, I was like, oh, she's going to ask how little effort it took to get to where I got um, instead of how little effort it was it would take for me to open my eyes and engage. So I was I was thinking like, wow, that was so easy. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like one of the central sort of tenets of Alexander Technique. It's like I use way... Mm -hmm more effort than I need to use to do everything I do. So when I can mm -hmm. pause and check in with support, when I can pause and check in with where can I let go of extra effort, then I can re-engage with whatever I'm doing from a place of a little bit more ease. Yeah, we've been talking a little bit about, yeah, about like following your ease. And we're so not like trained to do that. Nope. <laughs> like we're trained that if someone is following their ease, they are lazy or they're like, you know, in this conversation, like this is a woo-woo conversation. Like we don't have time for this. Right. Right. We don't have time for this. What do you say to people who are skeptical about just doing something this simple and then believing that it has large impact? Oh, I mean, this work might not be for them. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I think when people are in that space of, I can't, like, I can't do less. Nothing can be this easy. Nothing can be in this much flow. You know, they're probably in that space for a reason. Like, they probably have those defenses built up for a reason. And, that's not going to shift until they feel relatively safe enough to allow that to shift. 
So whatever Mm. that would mean, and they're like, we exist in the culture that we exist in, like for them, it might take like a whole cultural shift to feel okay letting themselves access more ease. But I do think it's a process. Mm. And I think I have found more capacity over time to dip into that ease, more um, more acceptance of the ease over time. Um, I ha- you know had plenty of my own barriers against it. Still do, right? Like, still had those moments where I'm like, I can't stop. No, 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 I can't pause today. And those are mm-hmm. often the moments where it's like. <laughs> oh, girl, like it is the most important that you pause today, right? You definitely need to. Yeah. (laughs) You're going to lose it. (laughs) Nobody wants to see this. Yeah. (laughs) We're off to a quick break. And my thought here is pretty simple. Why is it that when we're stressed out, we move faster? We want to move more and we get even more afraid to pause. It's almost like We think that if we check everything off our to-do list, we'll have no more stress. But the recent research on burnout actually suggests that our bodies, which hold so much wisdom, don't know when our to-do list is done. So they hold the stress. And some breathing, exercise, or even a laugh can release that, especially when we're stressed out. So why not try out the practice that Ariel and I did the next time you feel some stress? When we get back, Ariel and I do some screaming. And I think you'll want to join us. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we're changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. So come figure it out with me on the Hello Monday podcast. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives, like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or NYU professor Scott Galloway on choosing a career. I think the worst advice you can give a kid is follow your passion. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday with me, Jesse Hempel, on the LinkedIn Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back with Ariel Carson. So when someone comes to you, what are they coming for? Or with, I should say, maybe not for, but with. Sure. 
Yeah. And that's, I like that distinction because that takes it out of like, I don't, I don't use the word healer. I'm not healing anybody. Like I'm helping somebody access innate knowledge within themselves that brings them into a different space. I'm an educator Mm -hmm. helping people help themselves. People come to me for a variety of different reasons. Sometimes it's physical pain that they've tried a million other things, like you're saying, and nothing has worked. Um, Sometimes it's more emotional distress, anxiety, depression. And again, they might have tried a million different things or been, you know, I see a lot of people actually who have been in psychotherapy for a long time. And then they'll say, it's not working. Like, I know my body has something to say, and it's not being addressed in that space. So they're coming to find out just get more in touch with what their body is saying and how that's connected to how they're living their lives. What do people's bodies have to say? Oh, anything you can imagine. Your face said it all. (laughs) I mean, anything under the sun, right? And sometimes, depending on what a person's coming in with, it might not even be words, right? It might be a sound. Like, I will have people come in And it's like, they can't articulate it. That's coming from a different center in their brain. It's like, oh, don't worry about the words for a second. What's the sound of that? What's the color of that? What's the texture of that? What is the impulse there? I might say this to somebody in my office. Like, I see your shoulder kind of doing a little micro movement there. What's your shoulder trying to say? Is there, is there something that wants to come hmm. through there? We might explore something like that. I was imagining you in your office, like with people screaming. <laughs> like when you said there, they made there maybe no words. Like, is that, is, is that a thing? Or <laughs> what is the, what is this, the somatic experience? I'll tell you something. So I don't work with people literally screaming, partially because I'm in a New York office and I have, you know, neighbors and I don't want people to be concerned. (laughs) But also because screaming can kind of pitch somebody into catharsis. And this is, by the way, because I practice two different modalities. One is Alexander Technique. One is called Somatic Experiencing. And the Somatic Experiencing deals more with trauma Mm. in the body. Um, But So that's just to say, I don't have people actually scream because it can pitch them into cathartic states, which is generally not uh, able to be integrated by the nervous system. But I will have people, and maybe we can try this if you're up for this, do a silent scream. They can imagine going to a place where they can just like let, let it out, like a forest, you know, beach, they're by themselves. And they can just imagine for a moment that they can just let their jaw open wide and let out a big old scream. And that has really, really powerful effects on on people's nervous systems and and body-mind connections. I'm down to try it. Yeah, (laughs) let's try it. Let's do it. Okay, I'll do it with you, okay? Wait, where are you going to imagine going? You know, I was at this beach in... uh 
oh, an odd little town in Florida uh, in December, but it was a really empty beach and it was beautiful. I love the beach and I hate it because everybody's on it. And I'm one of those everybody's, right? But like, so I can't be mad at other people, but I always want to get there when nobody's there. And so I was just, as soon as you said it, I was remembering like getting up at sunrise and like hoping to get there when no one was there. Yes. Yes. So this would be a so time when, yeah, nobody would be there. Yeah. It would just be all yours to do mm-hmm. whatever you need to do. So am I just imagining like walking up to the beach? Like what am I, am I just strolling up and screaming? You could, yeah, <laughs> pretty wherever. much. Pretty much. Okay. Yep. And then give yourself a second just to check in and notice whatever you notice about your Muscles, breath, digestion. Whoa. Because I I meditate a lot, um, I think that's really helped with my interoception. And there's a feeling I get oftentimes when I meditate that almost feels like I could jump out of my skin. I don't really know how to describe it aside from that. Not a negative way. It's like I can feel like an energy on the skin and like against my body. And I felt that when I was screaming like I couldn't scream for a long time. It was like yeah. bursts of screaming and it would just like, it was like my skin was kind of like bursting with the burst. Yeah. Yeah. And now how are you feeling after giving that a second? Better. I feel like I want to try that again. I just would never normally go somewhere and scream. So I like this idea of doing it in my mind. And, uh, but I'm also like, oh, I should probably go somewhere where I could scream. Yeah. You know, we're socialized not to do things like that, right? Um, there's a lot of things we're socialized not to not to do. And that doesn't mean that those impulses aren't still there. Right? So I think part of the somatic integration is like being with those impulses, registering those impulses, being like, whoa, like there's a part of me that really wants to scream sometimes. Society won't let me do it. Okay, fine. So, but how can I allow myself safe outlets to be with that energy, process that energy, let it move through so that I don't have to just sit around repressing it because that comes Mm -hmm. out all sorts of different ways, you know, that can be harmful to ourselves and other people. Well, so you said there you have these two uh, practices that you have. One is the Alexander technique and then one is somatic experiencing. What is the, what's the difference? Yeah. um, They're both somatic practices as in they recognize the corporeal self as the intersection of all of our human experiences, thoughts, emotions, sensations, behaviors, memories, feelings, like all these things that we know to make up the human experience are being felt through our bodies, subconsciously or consciously. And Alexander Technique is focusing Mm. more on the musculoskeletal system, the respiratory system, and again, like movement, coordination of movement, kind of application to activity, like how we encounter any given stimulus, you know, a person on the street, our phones or computers, chopping vegetables, somatic experiencing uses the autonomic nervous system as the framework. And that's like fight, flight, freeze, rest and digest that territory. 
uh, uses that as a framework to process where we might be getting stuck in habituated patterns of our nervous system. So it's just kind of, there's a focus on different aspects of the body mind self, but Mm -hmm. both are doorways into that holistic picture of like what it, what it means to be a human at, at rest, at play, at work, all those Mm -hmm. things. Alexander techniques, it actually was developed as a breathing and, and voice practice. And so there's a lot of connection that comes through Alexander Technique with how people's voices uh, have to do with their total self-expression. So a lot of actors Mm -hmm. use Alexander Technique. It can give people more access to like, how how do you express yourself in an embodied way? Yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned this idea of using voice to like modulate and then to also decide how we want to be received by the world. So like I was on the phone with a close friend yesterday. She and I were talking. She goes into a store and she's like, hold on, I'm going to place an order. Her voice goes up five octaves. (laughs) And she it's like a totally different person. She's like, hi, can I order it? She orders the the thing at Starbucks. She leaves and I and walks out and I'm like, did you notice that your voice just went up five octaves? Like, how hilarious is that? And she's like, I know. She's like, I don't want them to see all of me. You know, they don't have to get all the crap. And we just started laughing because I think women do that a lot. Yes, I totally have a phone voice. That's like five (laughs) five octaves higher. Yeah, but I love, I mean, I love what your friend said of like, they don't get to have all of me, right? Like, if our voice is in part an expression of our wholeness or can be, right, I might be with people Mm -hmm. who it's not, it's not safe enough, or I don't feel safe enough, or I just don't want to, I don't want to give them my whole self, like they don't get to have my whole self for whatever reason. And so then, okay, I might, yeah, just tighten myself up a little bit and kind of put up my barriers. And as I do that, I can feel my neck gets a little tighter. I can feel my shoulders are a little bit held like, Mm -hmm. and that's okay. Right. It's, it's okay to have those responses. This work is just more about being conscious of how and when we are employing those responses so that we're not just living in a space of people don't get to have my whole self all the time because I don't even know what my whole self feels like, sounds like, moves like. Yeah. So for people who are just out there walking around today and saying, you know, how can I think about these two techniques, but maybe even bigger, just the, I also hazard the guess that you and I can sit here and talk about this, but that so many people haven't yet really understood that it's all connected. That yeah. like our bodies do have something to say. So like, how do you just start there? I mean, I think you just start with the invitation of the awareness, right? Like, mm-hmm. can we come back to our feet? We'll do it together. Like, mm-hmm. let's come mm-hmm. back to feet. Let's come back to chair. Let's come back to, is there anything that you or I can undo, release, soften that might be working harder than it needs to work so that we can avail ourselves to more support. And then in that field of shifted attention, 
and shifted intention to receive support and to maybe move towards ease, like you were saying. Is that what you said? Moving towards ease or following the ease? Follow your ease. Oh, it's, oh my God. It's so good. <laughs> so good. Um, but in that field, like, okay, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? What are the sensations? Like, what? what's your belly saying today? What are your knees saying? What are your ankles saying? What's your skin saying, right? I mean, just kind of opening the door into that curiosity and letting it be a discovery process as if and what like what if my body is saying all sorts of things that I can find out if I just stop to listen. All right, so I'm going to have you answer our three big questions. So the first is better humans are freer to navigate through the world well-supported, well-breathed, and consciously making choices about how they respond to the world around them. Hmm. Better work is... Following the ease! (laughs) (laughs) We're celebrating. (laughs) We're celebrating, yes. And a better world has... (laughs) A better world has, I'm going to go back to the human part, I think more conscious humans navigating with that better support, easier breathing, following their ease and understanding all of the interconnected elements of themselves and their environments and other people. Love that. That was awesome. Oh man, so much fun. Thank you for playing with me. Yeah. Yeah. That was Arielle Carson, somatic experiencing practitioner and Alexander Technique teacher based in New York City. Check out her work at wavesomatics.com. One big thing before we go sounds kind of odd to say, but I can remember when it really clicked that the communication between our mind and body goes two ways. There is so much information in our minds, but there is a ton in our bodies along with so much to release. Whether that's by taking a moment to check in with the sensations in your body like we did today, or envisioning a huge scream in the middle of nowhere. If you liked today's episode, leave us a rating before you go. And even more helpful, write a quick review. It helps other listeners like you find this show and grow with our community. And you can always find me on LinkedIn, writing about human potential. In the Arena is a production of LinkedIn News. The show is produced by Michelle O'Brien. Joe DeGiorgi mixed our show. Florencia Eriando is head of original audio and video. Dave Pond is head of news production. Dan Roth is the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn. And I'm Leah Smart. Thanks for coming on the journey with me, and I'll see you next week.